0: Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Larry G. Maguire here, artist and writer at LarryGMcguire.com. You're listening to the LARB podcast. This show is for creative people, uh, artists, writers, musicians, craftspeople, makers of things, businesses of one, creative entrepreneurs, people out there shaking things up simply because they like to shake whatever it is they're shaking. Uh, This show I made... So I could talk about uh, the subject of creativity and its place in work. And recently, I've been getting on a live stream with this podcast. Uh, Most recently, last Friday, I was chatting to my friend and musician Ray Heffernan about uh, creativity and success in particular. And uh, he had some interesting things to say about that. We had a very good conversation, very deep and meaningful conversation. It lasted about 50 minutes before technology broke down and we had to pull the pin. But uh, I think it's worth checking out. There's a link in today's Sunday Letters to that recording. Um, You do yourself uh, no injustice by taking 50 minutes out to have a listen. Uh, Stick it on as you're driving or in your earphones as you're going for a walk. Uh, Last week also, I was live with uh, Robin Milne artists from California, and we hooked up through uh, Lemur, or was it Anchor, one of those social audio apps, and uh, we've been con- we have become friendly, and uh, we have some common ground on, on a lot of things, and we got chatting about art and work and stuff, and that was another very interesting conversation and enjoyable conversation. I've had four in total, that was uh, three and four, the previous two. The uh, second one was with Johnny Helland, uh, web designer, personal development coach based in Norway. And the first one was with uh, Steven Ziegler, musician, uh, Wing Chun practitioner. Uh, he's a magician as well, actually. And we had a, we, we had a good conversation there too. Um, I'm continuing with these live streams every Friday, 6 p.m., uh, GMT, whatever that converts to in your own, uh, time zone. And, uh, it's on Patreon. If you want to find out when those posts go live, when those recordings go live, get over to patreon.com forward slash Larry G. McGuire and, uh, just follow my stuff there, become a follower. You can become a patron too, if you want from, uh, only a dollar a month, if that's your bag. That dollar, incidentally, goes a long way to help me create time to make this stuff. It uh, usually takes about 10 hours to create an article, maybe more. In fact, it does take more. Uh, about 12 hours to write and record and do all the bits and pieces associated with Sunday letters. I enjoy doing it. I don't get paid for it. Um, I don't uh, make a whole pile of money from it. And uh, it doesn't matter if I do or not. If I do, well, then that's great. Um But it does take time, and if you value what I do, and you'd like to see me continue it, get over to patreon.com forward slash Larry G. Maguire and become a patron. If not, you can keep listening anyway. Uh, So this week um, on Sunday Letters, I'm talking about... Sunday Letters, incidentally, is the weekly newsletter that I bang out to my subscribers. If you've been over to larrygmcguire.com, you would have had opportunity to sign up there subscribe for the newslet- newsletter, download the Artist Manifesto, first couple of chapters. Uh, and if you did, you would get Sunday Letters from me on a pretty much a weekly basis. Uh, it's been a bit stop-start since Christmas, but I've been trying to figure out a new format. And today uh, commences that new format. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. And um, The article for, for today's Sunday Letters is over on theartistmanifesto.co, there's a link in uh, uh, today's notes to that article uh, also. And I'll narrate that article for you shortly, but I wanted to talk to you about the new format for the show. And uh, essentially, after running Sunday Letters for the last 18 months and uh, about 77 issues, um, and the format being simply an article, I thought it was about time for a change. Um, When I started writing Sunday letters, I decided to just write about stuff that interested me and see where it went. And uh, that's been working reasonably well insofar as I've enjoyed it. That's my only metric, you know, and I think it should be the the only metric, at least. Well, maybe not the only one, but it should be primary in all the stuff that we do. You know, do we enjoy it? And I enjoy it. That's why I keep doing it. So. Um, Anyway, I thought with the new year that uh, it was time for change. And uh, the change consists of the following. Every week I'll have a new Sunday Letters article. It'll be a lengthy article, as usual, probably about 1,200 to, I don't know, 2,000 words, something like that. And it will be generally related to creativity in some way or another. Uh, and uh, maybe work, maybe um, psychology, maybe philosophy, maybe science, whatever. But it will always revert back to this idea that uh, work should be enjoyable and it's at the, or at least it's one of the cornerstones of being happy and fulfilled, you know, in my opinion. So that's the Sunday Letters article. Nothing much happens there. Uh, uh, (laughs) Rather, nothing much different there. Um, uh, I will, though, include one patron-only article every month. So if you want to access that, uh, you'll have to get over to Patreon and uh, become a patron. Um, What else have I got for you? Uh, A poem. You'll have uh, one poem included every Sunday Letters. And this week, uh, the poem is from Mary Oliver. Uh, I discovered Mary Oliver quite late. Uh, It was in an article on brain pickings. I know a bunch of you listen, uh, not listen, but read brain pickings. Good, uh, good website, good newsletter. And uh, that's where I found her. And I've one poem from her um, today for you to read. And given that she's just passed away only maybe 10 days ago or so, uh, I thought it was apt to include something from her. I think the fact that her stuff was so simple and so um, direct. She wrote about nature. She just sat in nature and wrote poetry about it. And it's there's nothing uh, highfalutin about it. There's nothing pretentious about it. It's just what she saw and her interpretation of it. And I think it's... a uh, It's wonderful. Uh, The title of the poem included in today's Sunday Letters from her is called Song of the Builders. Also today uh, and every week in Sunday Letters, I'll include a link and and a short piece on a book that I've read that I think you should get your hands on and read. This week's book is Zen in the Art of Writing by Ray Bradbury. It's a compilation of a number of articles he wrote during his career about work and about uh, the nature of creative work. And it's not just for writers. It's applicable to anyone involved in creative pursuits. Uh, There's a link to the book in today's uh, article, Sunday Letters. And um, uh, you should uh, buy a copy. Uh, What else have I got for you? Um, I'll also include in Sunday Letters links to... Uh, the most recent podcast episode over on the Larb and perhaps other people's podcasts too. Uh, maybe you like to listen, catch it on the road, driving to work, driving home, on a run, on a walk, whatever. It's handy. I've I've got a bunch of audiobooks that I listen to. I've got an Audible account on my phone and it's great. I can stick on stuff related to college, related to, I don't know, maybe a book that I've got, a, um, a paperback that I've got, and I can listen to it and then read it and stuff. I just... It's, it's handy. So uh, podcasts are kind of like that, you know. Um, so I'll include links to uh, some of that stuff for you too. Um, articles by other people. Uh, I have this um, Feedly account and I've uh, a, a whole ton of stuff that comes in on a weekly basis. Some of it I read, most of it I don't because I just wouldn't have the time to read it all. But uh, I've included a couple of links to several articles that... Uh, I think are worth checking out. Uh, the first one is uh, found on the creative mind and the title of that article is Solitude and Creative Expression. Uh, the next article of Goffia, uh, two number two of three, is from Austin Cleon. Uh, let the chips fall where they may. And the third and final one is from Scientific American. Where does your intelligence, intelligence peak uh, worthwhile reads? And finally then, um, for your listening pleasure uh, or reading pleasure, indeed, I've got links to someone I think you should check out. Someone just like me making stuff uh, in relative obscurity, um, recording material, sharing what they make, uh, what they think, uh, on audio and whatever other platforms this week. It's, uh. Uh, a lady called or calls herself Seeking Plum. Uh, that's not her, her real name. I think it's Alison. She could she can confirm that herself. Maybe you'll maybe let me know uh, Seeking Plum if that's your real name. Uh, why I'm sharing her stuff with you this week is we got into a conversation on Lemur. It's a social audio app. There's a link to that in today's Sunday Letters too. And we got talking about uh, starlings. And she posted some stuff uh, that she found online on YouTube uh, about starlings and their murmurations uh, from round about October to February, mostly in the UK. And it's a spectacular display, aerial display, if you've ever seen it. I've seen it once um, in real life. Uh I was in the Midlands doing a run one day and it was around this time of year, January actually, uh, about five years ago, and I spotted a murmuration of Starlings. It's amazing. If you haven't seen it, just YouTube it, you'll you'll find uh you'll find loads of them. And we got talking about <clears throat> why birds do this stuff. Um my contention was there's no why, you know, to just do it. And uh and Seek and Plum uh, offered an article um, where uh, the author wrote about all these studies related to, you know, why the birds do this and the meaning of it and all this kind of thing. And we were talking about the validity in uh, the exploration and why it's important to explore these things and question things and try and figure things out, you know. And there's no no doubt that there's a, there's a practical advantage in doing that to, to some level. But for me, there's no other reason the boards do that other than the fact that they do it. They don't think about it. It's, it's us who think about it. Uh, and, and, and it's us that implies some kind of meaning in it. But anyway, we, there was a bit of an over and back uh, on that topic. And uh, loads of people jumped in. There was loads of comments and stuff. And it was enjoyable. And I thought I'd share that with you. But and um, Plum is very articulate. And she's a very deep thinker. And uh, she's worth a listen. It's as simple as that. Um, And that's it. Uh, I'm going to go and narrate today's Sunday Letters article for you um, coming up. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. I'm talking about success and how success happens. It's a kind of a spin-off article related to the Artist Manifesto and the core principle of that book, which is Purposeful Accident. Purposeful accident suggests that when you set up, you or me, anybody sets out on purpose to engage in creative work simply for its own enjoyment, for its own sake, um, without any particular need for results to turn out uh, a given way, we're just going into it with purpose and energy and enjoyment for the sake of it. Well, then good shit happens, you know? And for some, I, I can understand that that's not enough, you know? That you need to have a process um, and that you need uh, steps from A to Z or whatever, one to ten, whatever it is you you're having yourself in order for you to do something. But for the artist, for the writer, for the creative, once you've learned the skill of the domain that you operate in, that will take care of itself. It's like driving a car, uh, although maybe more complex. Uh, oftentimes you'll drive your car and you don't remember how you got from where you started to where you are. You just The car just kind of drove itself. Well, that's kind of your organism having learned the process. And that's what happens in art and writing and creativity after a while. After a long while, is that it just kind of makes itself and you just go into it because you enjoy the process. You know, it's like climbing, uh, if, if you've ever climbed. I was climbing tonight with my son in uh, a place called Awesome Walls. Um, rock climbing, indoor rock climbing. And uh, it's cool. It's kind of the same, if you know what I mean. So anyway, success happens, you know. It just does. And uh, if you're, I believe, if you and me are so focused on on a particular result, or a particular version of how it should be, well then we kind of kill it, you know? And uh, we want it so bad, we strangle it to death. So anyway, today's article is titled, How Success Happens. Here we go. Sunday Letters, January the 26th, 2019. How Success Happens. Success happens when we least expect it. It's true. Momentum matters though. What we do right now sets the stage for what comes next, linearly speaking that is. But there are way too many moving parts within the complex experience of life for you and me to exercise sufficient control and direction over them. In truth, there's no separation between events. It's all one event and it's happening everywhere all at once. It's just that some occurrences seem to stand out against the background of everyday normality. So what about this popular idea that we can make success happen, consciously create a perfect life? Well, perhaps we can, but maybe it's less about making things happen and planning to the end degree and more about switching off distraction, blinkers on and doing the work. The popular narrative on achievement you'll find on personal development websites and in self-help books everywhere plays to our primal emotional state. They know that we're prompted to action through ego gratification and extrinsic measures of success, even if we don't. And they play to it. They say that we can close the gap between our currently less than perfect self and the better self that exists somewhere in the future. So we chase it. We believe what they tell us and we pursue ourselves. Chasing our tails, we consume ever-increasing volumes of opinion and recommendation from experts and gurus under the misled notion that we can make it that we can reach the future better version of ourselves that supposedly exists. Firstly, it serves us to understand that these expert sources of information exist primarily as a means to generate income for the associated organisations. Although we are often reluctant to see it, the growth and survival of these organisations is often more important than the accuracy of the information they produce. They are not interested, fundamentally, in helping you they are interested in self-preservation and they will take advantage of your weakened emotional state to achieve that. As their readers consume given topics in ever-increasing numbers, they feed the machine. And the machine, in turn, gives them more of what they want. It's called marketing and it's insidious. With a one-sided view, we can hold the opinion that it is they who generate the perpetually destructive narrative. Or we can accept that it is we who create it. Perhaps we, in our insatiable appetite for understanding, perpetuate our dominant psychological state of inadequacy. In search of answers we find resonance with this content and perception of the real answers becomes clouded. We seek the pill for the ill outside ourselves. This is not to suggest that all the information all these folks produce all of the time is inaccurate. Some of the material might well assist you and me Understand more about the nature of what we are. However, in digesting it, we must ask ourselves, what is their motivation? We must also ask ourselves, do we need to continually seek answers to our challenges in other people and their systems? And why do we consume the same or similar ineffective material over and over again? What's missing in us, and why do we believe that there is a future towards which we must strive to find? It seems we simply cannot bear to be where we are. What if? We have split ourselves into me and a separate me that can fix me. Call it big me and little me. Accompanying this idea is the fundamental notion that linear time accurately represents reality. It is a flawed concept. We conceive our lives to exist on a line from the day we are born to the day we die, And everything we experience occurs on this line. We experience transition from one thing to another. Cause and effect are apparent and distinct. And within this concept of life we exist. In this state, a successful and fulfilling career will be very hard to find. Because as we know, tomorrow never gets here. In fact, to believe that success needs to be found somewhere out there. Somewhere in the apparent future. Puts us in an impossible place to begin with. So... What if there was not a separate self beyond the personality of you or me? And what if all we needed to do was to trust the thing to do its thing? Like we trust our heart to beat or our lungs to breathe. What if we put the blinkers on, put our head down and immerse ourselves in the work for long periods each day? What if we we allowed ourselves to get lost in the work like writers and artists do? I wonder what we could achieve if we placed all of our attention in the present moment and only on the moment, the single moment, that will ever exist and relented from our perpetual striving by focusing our attention on our craft for its own sake, for its inherent enjoyment rather than for some future-based abstract idea of wealth or success. I wonder what we could create. What would we find out about ourselves? Maybe that's the problem. Maybe we are too scared to see what we are capable of. After all, those who do are seen as dysfunctional, existing outside the safe boundary of contemporary life. Freaks. When I write, when I write or draw, I'm not looking at the clock. If I have an appointment later, then I can't fully focus. I need to have a clear day in order to immerse myself to the full extent required. If I don't, then my concentration is not sharp enough and I feel pulled asunder. Now imagine if there are other distractions, non-material ones, such as the imaginary anticipation of negative outcomes, such as, is this thing I'm making going to make money? Or, will my readers or customers like this? What if you are brokers a pie crust and desperately need the money? It's likely then that your focus will be way off where it needs to be. If we are constantly or predominantly focused on basic human survival or the response we receive to our work, then we will never create anything worthwhile and we will never receive the success we want to experience. We've got to shut out of our minds the neurotic concerns and dramas of everyday life or the need for acceptance and the views of other people because they destroy the creative spirit. Only if we operate outside the temporal reality to which we are so accustomed Can we ever find out who we are, and as such, make the space for that aspect of the creative self to make itself known? Success happens. 20 years ago, fresh-faced and naive, I began working for myself. I borrowed five grand from the bank as a buffer, and I took a chance. Others told me I was stupid, and maybe I was, but I was full of beans, Nothing they said could discourage me. I'd get out of bed in the mornings, enthusiastic at the prospect of finding new work and making a go of my little business of one. I bought a maroon Ford Fiesta van for two grand, some power tools and a small stock of materials, and I got cracking. Work was slack to begin with. I had a couple of small jobs to keep me going for about two weeks, but something in me knew I'd be okay. The freedom I had found to direct my life and work was enough to allow me see that anything was possible. Tough li- times lay ahead, and the subsequent years brought lots of challenges. But with retrospect, I can see how important they were. Failure, as we have come to know it, happens. It happens to everyone and everything at every at, at ever decreasing and increasing levels of existence. People, trees, animals, the wind, and I was no different. The growth and expansion of the self requires failure or correction as it, is ter- as it is termed in business circles. To believe or hope we can escape it is again protecting, projecting ourselves away from the only moment where we can be effective. That thing I call me, the surface level personality, is fragile. It is hinged to material things and needs reinforcement from the environment. It doesn't like to fail because in what it perceives as a failure, There is non-existence. Every failure is damaging to varying degrees, if only for a short period. But we usually bounce back and hopefully become wiser for the experience. Changes can be dramatic, like when a business fails or you lose your job, or they can be less significant, like being on the end of peer criticism, for example. But it is certain that this life we live is filled with minor and major changes. The bad stuff doesn't last, and that's comforting. The good stuff doesn't last either, so to become dependent on or resistant to these things is a fool's game. We see success on the up cycle, and have the opportunity to enjoy that. But we've got to let it go, on or before its peak. If we are hitched to it as it enters the down cycle, we're screwed. We both make success happen and we don't. It's a cyclical dichotomous experience that is always a step ahead. And the more we try to grab it, the more it runs away. So best to just let it be. Just like failure. And when it arrives, smile. And when it goes, smile too. There is little else worth doing in this life than work that allows you and me to recede into the background and let the work just do its thing. Luck. What's the role of luck in success? Personally, I believe this idea of a mystical force casting discretionary reward or punishment at random is silly and belongs in the dark ages. It baffles me to read rational, educated people still bringing this term into their writings. Take this quote from Sixcent Csikszentmihé in his book Creativity. Entering a career requires a great deal of determination and a good dose of luck. In fact, the majority of people we interviewed for this book Mentioned luck most frequently as the reason they had been successful. Being in the right place at the right time and meeting the right people are almost necessary to take off within a field. Mihei Sixent Mihei. It's reasonable to assume that the people interviewed by Sixent Mihei and his team may not fully understand where or how they got their good fortune. But to attribute it to an indeterminable mystical force, called luck, is staggering to me. It seems we carry with us into our conventional modes of thought ancient superstitions, despite our advanced intelligence and understanding of the world in which we live. It is more accurate in this writer's opinion to attribute the successes these people experienced to purposeful accident. Purposeful accident is the materialisation of favourable circumstances, the experience of which come about by virtue of being engaged in work purely for its own sake. It requires no force. There is no making it happen. In fact, to force it has the opposite effect. Success, whatever we define it as, will happen of its own accord. We are a part of the self-organising process, not separate from it, and that process is ultimately unknowable. If we put our blinkers on on a daily basis, at least for a while, and immerse ourselves in the work, then one day when we look up, we'll have something to make us smile. What got us there won't matter, because we loved it anyway. There's no striving in that, just the enjoyment of the work. I'm not the only one who thinks this, that the idea of a mystical force called luck is rubbish. A man by the name of Lord Beaverbrook, Max Aitken, wrote many articles for the Sunday Express in London during his time, and in 1921 published a book titled Success. Here's what he wrote of luck. Some of the critics do not believe that the pinnacle of success stands only on the three pillars of judgment, industry and health. They point out that I have omitted one vital factor, luck. So widespread in is this belief, largely pagan in its origin, that mere fortune either makes or unmakes men, that it seems worthwhile to discuss and refute this dangerous delusion. Of course, if the doctrine merely means that men are the victims of circumstances and surroundings, it is a truism. It is luckier to be born heir to a peerage and a hundred thousand pounds than to be born in Whitechapel. Past and present chancellors of the Exchequer have gone far in removing much of this discrepancy in fortune again a disaster which destroys a single individual may alter the whole course of a survivor's career but the devotees of godless of the god of the goddess of luck do not mean this at all they hold that some men are born lucky and others unlucky as though some fortune presided at birth and that irrespective of all merits success goes to those on whom fortune smiles and defeat to those on whom she frowns. Or at least luck is regarded as a kind of attribute of a man like a capacity for arithmetic or games. This view is, in essence, the belief of the true gambler, not the man who backs his skill at cards or his knowledge of the racing against his rival, but who goes to the table at Monte Carlo backing runs of good luck or ill luck. It has been defined as the belief in the imagined tendencies of chance to produce events continuously favourable or continuously unfavourable. The whole conception is a nightmare of the mind, particularly unfavourable to success in business, or in any case, I would add. Forget about it. The overwhelming truth that exists for me is that the more we try, the less our efforts bear fruit. To experience success, the success we crave We've got to learn to not crave it at all. The more you give it away, the more that you have. If we have our eye on the crowd, we'll never make anything worthwhile. So forget about it. Do the work. Nothing else matters. And so ends today's lengthy Sunday Letters article. Not sure how long that was. Uh, a couple of little stumbles in there, but sure. You're getting used to that by now. Um, thanks for listening to today's Sunday Letters uh to read this article get over to com, and also the co. it's over there. Well the article I just narrated is on the dot uh, co and uh there's other stuff on com. Anyway, links are in the description. You want to check them out, give them a read. Um that book that I mentioned called Success by Max Aitken. He was a Canadian businessman and, uh, moved to the UK, I think at, uh, around the early part of the, uh, uh, 1900s before world war one, uh, the early part of the 20th century and became quite influential. Um, I don't agree with uh, a lot of what I read in that book or several things I read in that book. And a lot of the language is a bit kind of stuffy and old world, you know, but some of the things he does say, um, it makes sense, at least to me. So if you want to copy that book, it's only a short thing. I, I think it's about 50 pages. Go to the article there on theartistmanifesto.co and you can click into it there and download it. So that's it for now, folks. Uh, thanks a million for listening in. I've been Larry G. McGuire. you mean listen to The Larb. Uh, available on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud. Everywhere good podcasts are played, you'll get this uh, podcast. If you want to support me and my work, Get over to patreon.com forward slash Larry G. McGuire. Buy me a pint or a cup of coffee. Be very appreciative. You don't have to commit full time, incidentally. You can just make a one-time contribution of one or two dollars if you're up for it. And if you're not, that's fine too. You'll still have the stuff available to listen to and read. So that's it for now. Uh, Thanks a million for checking out the show. I'll see you next week. Incidentally, those last two uh, uh, live streams, I'll be publishing them during the week uh, in audio format, so watch out for those if you haven't checked them out already. All right, I'm out of here. Take it easy, good luck.